0: There's so much in my heart I want to say to you, Lord There's so much you are And so much you've done I think with a little help I'm gonna give it a try Oh, but please forgive me, Lord, if I start to cry, but I got to tell you, tell you how, I how I love you, yes. Love you. From the bottom of my heart, Jesus. Jesus. Who I got oh, to tell Oh I've got to tell you How I, how I worship you Yes I will. Lord The rising of the sun, to the going down of the same, I will bless I you. Will bless. I will bless the Lord in all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. I yes. will bless. Oh magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together again. Because you're an awesome God, I lift my hands and I bless your name. Yeah, hey, I'm gonna bless you. I will. I'm gonna bless your name. I will. will Hey, 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 precious Lord, everybody say "Precious." precious, precious.
1: Hallelujah. Thank God today. Man, one of the commitments I would encourage you to make, not just in the first part of the year, but any and every part of the year, is to love God with your whole heart. To tell the Lord with my whole heart, God, I want to give everything to you. I want to give the center of my being to you. And and can I tell you something? It's not a one-time commitment because the truth of the matter is, There are things in this world that will always distract, that will always pull you away. And so you have to constantly recommit yourself, constantly refocus yourself so that you are giving God your whole heart. Thank you, Elder Taylor and Praise Team, for reminding us of that powerful message with our whole heart. Let's go to God in prayer and ask God's blessings on our time today. Father, we thank you and we bless you for today. We pray now, God, that everything that we do and everything that we say will be pleasing in your sight, that it will bring glory and honor to you. May you be glorified. May your people be edified. May the devil be horrified at all of the obstacles that have been thrown at even this word going forth. And I pray that you will bless in a special way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was in 1987 this movie was released. Uh, Blockbuster stars were part of this film's narrative. Kevin Costner, Sean Connery, uh, a young Andy Garcia, just to name a few. Oh, man, who can forget Robert De Niro? The film was directed by Brian De Palma, The Untouchables. Now, now, for those of us who remember watching either the first runs or the reruns of that original black and white series, The Untouchables, starring Elliot Ness, right? Man, you, you had to be excited when you, when you heard about this remake of that series in movie form. And it promised to be exciting and, and by all accounts, uh, it delivered. Now, you know, there's always these, these things that are added in movies to, to make the story more dramatic and, and to make it more entertaining as if the real life of FBI agents and Al Capone wouldn't be exciting enough, right? But there was a scene in the movie. I I don't know if it was true or not, but man, it was it was so powerful. And if if you've ever seen the movie, you know, the scene I'm talking about Uh, that old cop that turned to the uh, FBI to become one of the untouchables played by Sean Connery uh, was uh, hailed with bullets at his home uh, by Frank Nitti. And you recall when Elliot Ness goes by uh, to see him, uh, he finds uh, bullet holes everywhere, and he finds uh, Sean Connery's body riddled with bullets, and he's bleeding all over the place, and, and and he's grasping, trying to crawl to get to a a piece of paper, and and he finally gets the paper in his hand, and and he shows. Elliot Ness, played by Kevin Costner, you remember the scene. He shows him where the bookkeeper is going to be, where the bookkeeper is going to be. And the bookkeeper was critical to the case against Al Capone because you remember they did not convict Al Capone on prostitution charges. They did not convict him on bootlegging charges. They, They convicted him on income tax evasion. Income tax evasion, right? So, so actually, the Untouchables were part of this, this group. They, they had recruited some, some police officers out of the academy. They, they had, uh, internal revenue service people. I, I mean, they had a group of people that came together that, that could not be bought, that could not be paid off. That's, hence the idea of the Untouchables. And, uh, and with his dying breath, Sean Connery's character, uh, says to, Kevin Costner's character, Elliot Ness, he says says to him, what are you prepared to do? Right? Like, now that you have this information, you've been playing nice guy all this time with Al Capone, uh, but Al Capone doesn't play nice guy. He says, what are you prepared to do? Now that you have this information, what are you prepared to do? And my brothers and sisters, sometimes I wonder if the Holy Spirit just wants to grab us sometime, just wants to grab us, just wants to snatch us sometime and and say, you've got the word of God. You've got the leading of the spirit of God. Now, what are you prepared to do? What are you prepared to do to change your life? You see, the truth of the matter is, my brothers and sisters, all of us, Know more than we live. We're running from conference to conference to learn something we don't know when in actuality, for most of us, we're simply being reminded of something we've already been exposed to. If we just learned how to live consistently what we already know, we would be better Christians. Today, I want to continue our thought that we began last week, how to experience A change, a great change in your life, how to experience a great change in your life. See, no matter where you are in your life, you have to be willing to make a change if you want to experience some things that you've never experienced before. You have to make a greater level of commitment. You have to experience uh, 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 and and exude great courage. You've got to do the things that God is calling you to do in order to experience all that God has for you. And you have to ask yourself if you're willing to pay the price. If you're willing to pay the price, do you recognize that the cost of living for God is worth the value? Whatever it is that you want from God, whoever you want to become in God, you've got to be willing to pay the price. Our foundational text is Luke chapter 19 and uh, beginning at verse 1. I, I want to share with you just a little bit of what we talked about on last week before we finish up on today. Last week, part one, I shared with you two things. Uh, the first thing I shared with you is you must be willing to identify and seek what you really need. In your life, what, what do you really need in your life? What do you need changed in your life? Luke chapter 19, verse 1, the Bible says, He, speaking of Jesus, entered Jericho and was passing through. And behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was rich. And he was seeking to see who Jesus was. But on account of the crowd, he could not because he was small in stature. What's interesting is Zacchaeus had, listen carefully, what many people are praying to get. He had position because he was not only a tax collector, but he was a chief tax collector, which means he had tax collectors who were reporting to him. Now, being a tax collector was not a popular position to have, but it was a powerful position to have. So here is Zacchaeus with position, with power, and a level of prosperity because the Bible says he was rich. He had great possessions. Isn't it interesting that for many of us who name the name of Christ, when we start talking about what we want to get from God, man, if if we could have position, power, and possessions, how many of our prayers would already be answered? I mean, it's as if Zacchaeus has what everybody wants, but here's what Zacchaeus recognizes. Even though he has what he has, he doesn't have everything he needs. He is seeking an encounter with Jesus. How many times do you think money will solve all your problems, right? We we pray and we ask, come on now, some of y'all can remember when you was making $5 an hour before the minimum wage was $7 an hour. Right. You make making five dollars an hour. And you said, man, if you could just make another 50 cents an hour, all your problems would be solved. Right. And then when they say, "Ooh, minimum wage is going to be seven fifty an hour. You say, oh, my God, man, I'm in the money. I'm in the money. Right. And when somebody said they were going to pay you ten dollars an hour, you was like ten whole dollars an hour. Wow. But guess what? You've never had enough because you've never changed your person even though your rate of pay changed. See, you can always be broke if you spend more than you have. So it doesn't matter whether you have a dollar or a million dollars. If you spend one more dollar than you have, then guess what? You're in debt and you're in trouble. The Bible says Zacchaeus was rich. He had position. He was a chief tax collector but he still had to identify and seek what he really needed. And you know what's interesting in the word of God? Let me just share this as a side note. Over and over again, when you see money matters being dealt with and people who had need in the Bible, how many times do you see Jesus saying, oh, your problem is money. I'm gonna bless you with a lot of money. I mean, that, that seems to be what we pray for In the body of Christ in the United States in particular, we're praying for money, money, money. We want more money. The biggest problems in the Bible around money was not the number of people who didn't have enough of it. It was the people who had too much of it. And didn't know what to do with what they had. As a matter of fact. Many times it's money that can keep you from getting to God and finding the Lord like you need to. That's why the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. And it's not about having a lot. It's just loving it and wanting more than you have, not experiencing that level of discontent, uh, that level of contentment. Um, Here's the second thing I shared with you on last week. You must do whatever you need to do. Uh, The Bible says in verse four, Zacchaeus uh, ran on ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see Jesus, for he was about to pass that way. Uh, He did what was necessary, even though it was unexpected and in many ways out of character. Uh, First of all, he ran. He ran, and the rich didn't run. Matter of fact, the rich would hire somebody else to run for them. But Zacchaeus ran, and then the Bible says he climbed a tree. Men don't climb. Boys climb. Children climb but men don't climb it's a, it's a, it's it's interesting because even to this day in Jericho I've been there on several occasions and they have there in Jericho right within where the old city walls traditionally are reported to have been there's a tree that natives claim locals claim is the tree that Zacchaeus climbed up into yeah old tree many branches, easy to climb. But Zacchaeus did what children did in order to see Jesus. Are you willing to do what is outside of your character to see Jesus? You know, a lot of times we like to justify who we are and we'll say things like, well, that's just the way I am. And then we'll make that as an excuse for God not to bless us or for us not to seek God's blessings. We'll say something like this. You know, well, if God didn't want me to be that way, he wouldn't have made me this way. He would have made me different. And that's one of the things that you and I have to always remind ourselves by the power of the Holy Spirit. We have been born again, so we're not locked into how we were born the first time, but in being born again, we can become more like God every day of our lives. You don't have to say amen. I know I'm right about it. Part two now, how to experience a great change in your life. Life Right here in Luke chapter 19. Here's the first thing I want you to see today in part two. You need to realize the Lord sees and honors your sincere efforts to get to him. The Lord sees and honors your sincere efforts to get to him. Look at Luke chapter 19, verse five. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Jesus came to the place. He looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Jesus saw him. He saw Zacchaeus. Here's a man, small in stature, who climbs up into a tree, and the Bible says Jesus saw him. Now, there had to have been a great crowd around Jesus because Zacchaeus couldn't get to him on ground level, but he was willing to do whatever he needed to do in order to see Jesus, Lord have mercy. And when he did whatever he needed to do to see Jesus, the Lord saw him. There was a matching between sincerity and sovereignty. The sincerity of Zacchaeus connected with the sovereignty of God. He climbed, he saw, and the Lord saw him. But not only did Jesus see him, the text says Jesus spoke to him. Jesus spoke to him. Jesus addressed him. He was hoping to see him. He saw Jesus. Jesus saw him and spoke to him. In other words, the Lord met Zacchaeus at his desire and then went beyond his desire to speak to him and to address his need. Listen to me carefully. Somebody, you're watching right now. Jesus will meet you. When you sincerely seek Him. When, when you make a sincere effort to come to the Lord. See, see most, most of our requests to God, most of our uh, longing for God is not in the place of sincerity, right? Uh, many times it's in the place of, of basically uh, Christian cliches and, and we're trying to impress other people with how we pray and, and what we look like instead of sincerely crying out to God. You, you know when you really sincerely cry out to God? When you recognize you really need the Lord and all of that other stuff doesn't matter? And, and that's when you, I mean, I'm talking about ugly praying and ugly crying and tears. When you just come before the Lord with all, no pretense. No pontificating. No, you you come to God in sincerity. And somebody said, well, how do you know if you're coming to God in sincerity? God knows if you're coming in sincerity. If you're coming for any other reason, if you're coming in any other way, God knows. Because watch this, God sees your heart. God sees your heart. God sees where you really are, not where you want other people to see you to be. Jesus saw him. And then watch what Jesus does. And you need to recognize this. Jesus will not only see where you are with your sincere efforts, but he will speak to your person. He will speak to your situation. He can address your situation where you are. Now my brothers and sisters, here's the wonderful thing about God. Here's the marvelous thing about God. I want to shout right now because the Lord can speak in a multiplicity of ways. In our text, Jesus calls to Zacchaeus. But how many of you know God can speak to you in a multiplicity of ways? He, he, he can speak to you through His Word. There's somebody right now. The Lord is talking directly to you through His Word. There's somebody maybe in your devotional time, in your reading of the Word, God will speak to you. Maybe it's the Holy Spirit, a still small voice. God is speaking to you. Maybe God is speaking to you when you slumber and sleep and you are quiet long enough to hear God. In your awakening moments, you are praying, talking to God, but when you slow down, you slumber and sleep, God can talk to you. Or maybe it's in your meditative periods. Maybe when you're meditating, God can speak to you. Here's all I'm trying to tell you. God can talk to you. The Matter of fact, the question is not, is God talking? The question is, are you listening? God is trying to tell you something, Are you listening to God? Oh, my God. Are you listening? Are you hearing what God is saying? Jeremiah 29, 13 says you will search for me. And when you search for me with all your heart, you will find me. Isaiah 55, beginning at verse six. Come on, read it with me. If you will, wherever you are. So are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Here's the second and final thing I want you to see today. If you're going to experience a great change in your life, number two, you must be willing to obey the Lord immediately. You must be willing to obey the Lord immediately. Everybody say immediately. One of the lessons I've learned in life is that procrastination is the enemy of progress. We we typically will put off what we know we should do until we think we get to the place where we feel like doing it. Sometimes we'll put off what we know we should do until we feel like we have time to do it. When we And we fail to recognize, listen to me carefully, that you will probably never have time. You have to make a commitment to make time. You probably will never have time. You have to make time. Somebody said to me, said, well, pastor, when you get time, if you can reach, I said, no, no, just tell me what you want me to do because I'll never have time. I go to bed every night with at least 10 or 15 things that I know about that I leave undone. So it's never about having time. I've got to make time to do what I believe God has called me to do. Look at Luke 19, beginning at verse six. So he hurried and came down and received him joyfully. Now remember what Jesus says in verse five. Jesus says to him, "Hey, come down, I'm going to your house." Jesus invites himself to Zacchaeus' house. and watch what happens. Zacchaeus hurries down and receives him joyfully. Look at verse seven. And when they saw it, who's they? The crowd that was observing what was happening they all grumble. He has gone in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now watch this, Lord have mercy. They're not talking about Zacchaeus because in their minds, he's already nothing. He's already unpopular. Folk are already hating on him. Folk already dislike him. They are talking about Jesus and where Jesus is going. They're talking about Jesus. Jesus is going in to be the guest of a man who is a sinner. Now, guess how concerned Jesus is with what they say? Zero. Jesus is zero concerned with what they say. Boy, I wish I could put a quarter meter and, and just talk for a minute about what they say and what he says. Because we love to focus on what they say. You ever had anybody come to you and say, well, you know they saying, or people are saying. You say, well, who are people? Who are they? Well, you know they, right? If Jesus listened to they, he would have never went into the house of Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus' house would have never been blessed. Zacchaeus' life would have never been changed. If he listened to what they said. He goes in and says, let me just say this to somebody. Don't don't ever let what they say keep you from doing what God wants. That's somebody's message right there. I I, I I was trying to move past it and the Lord wouldn't let me. Don't allow what they say or worried about what they say to keep you from doing what God wants. Do what God wants regardless of what they say because they're going to always talk and they're going to miss God's blessings in their lives. Watch what happens. Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, I'm in verse eight, behold, Lord, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor. So, So watch this. Jesus says, come down. This little man comes down to interact with a big God. He moves in a hurry. He goes to Jesus. He comes with joy. He humbles himself. He comes down from where he was, and he makes his way to Jesus. Somebody needs to hear me today with the time I have left. Humble yourself. Humble yourself. Come down from where you are. You are busy trying to pretend who you are to those in the world, but here's what God wants you to understand. God is not impressed with what impresses his people. Zacchaeus makes his way to the Lord. And then Zacchaeus does something. He voluntarily gives of his possessions. Look at what he says. Voluntarily. He says, behold, Lord, verse 8, the half of my goods I give to the poor. And if I have defrauded anyone of anything, I restore it. Fourfold. Now remember in Luke 18, there was a rich young ruler who didn't want to give up anything when Jesus commanded it. Verse 22, Luke 18, check it out. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, One thing you still lack sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Verse 23 says, but when he heard these things, he became very sad. For he was extremely rich. This young ruler was too rich, not only for his own good, but he was too rich for his own God. He came telling the Lord, I'm serving you. Lord, I'm doing all that you commanded me to do. I'm, I'm honoring the commandments. And, and the Lord said, there's one thing missing. One thing missing. What are you doing with your possessions? How are you doing in the stewardship of your possessions? And the Bible says, when he heard the command of Jesus, he walked away sad. Jesus walks into Zacchaeus' house a sinner. And Zacchaeus says, Lord, half of my possessions I'm going to give to the poor. Anybody I did wrong to, I'm going to restore it fourfold. He voluntarily gave up. Can I ask you a question? What do you need to give up to make it right with God? Now, now listen to me carefully. Listen to me carefully. This is bigger than just money. Possessions. Treasure, because the Bible says where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. And the Lord wants your heart. So what are you willing to give up? Are you willing to give up some of your possessions? Are you willing to give up your person? Are you willing to give up your position? Are you willing to give up your posture? What are you willing to give up to receive all that God wants you to have? Because Jesus ends his conversation with Zacchaeus saying, the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost, came to seek and save the lost. What do you need to give up to get right with God? And understand Zacchaeus gave up not just to get right with God but to get right with others because Zacchaeus understood that his vertical relationship with God could not overcome a bad horizontal relationship with other people. As a matter of fact, his horizontal relationship with other people revealed how good his vertical relationship with God was. What do you need to give up to get right with God? What actions do you need to change? What attitude do you need to change? What associates do you need to change? What acquisitions do you need to be willing to release out of your life in order to make sure God has complete control of your life? Let me just close by telling you this. Let God do something marvelous in your life. Let God do something wonderful in your life. And if it means you've got to step outside of your character to get to God, step outside of your character. If it means you've got to give up some of the things that you've acquired, whether it's an attitude, acquisitions, actions, associates, whatever it is. If it means you can get closer to God, be willing to divorce yourself, give up what's been holding you back. Jesus makes a statement. And I want to conclude conclude with this. Matthew 19, verse 23. Check it out. And Jesus said to his disciples, truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, They were greatly astonished, saying, who then can be saved? Because their philosophical mind, their ideology was the rich people are saved. Those are the people who have been blessed by God. Those are the people who are the children of God. Verse 26, but Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And let me just close by telling somebody this today. As much as a struggle of a struggle as it may be in order for you to dedicate yourself to God and become all that God wants you to be. I want to encourage you today because with man, it might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. You need to change your mindset. I know it's hard. You've been working on it a long time, but that's the problem. You've been working on it and you haven't turned it over to God. With man, it might be impossible, but with God, All things are possible. You are in love with things and you use people. God says, no, you need to love people and use things. You say, man, God, that's a big change for me. With man, it might be impossible, but with God all things are possible. You say, but wait a minute, God, you don't know how much I have. God says, it doesn't matter how much you have. It's about how much you're willing to give to me and to my work. With man, it might be impossible, but with God, all things are possible. Boy, I feel my help here. I I wish there was somebody in here because I'd holler right there just to let you know, with man, it might be impossible but with God all things are possible and even you becoming all that God wants you to be is impossible in your hands but in God's hands all things are possible let's pray God we bless you and thank you for today I thank you for your word Lord have mercy I thank you Hallelujah. I thank you, God, because there's somebody who's listening right now. We are where we are today because it was made possible knowing you. We have moved from where we used to be to where we are right now because while with man it's impossible, with you all things are possible. God, I pray right now that you will bless in a special way that your word has gone forth, that it has found fertile ground in the hearts and minds of your people, that we would be more than just hearers of your word, that we would be doers as well. We give you glory right now. And we ask that the power of the possible would move in the midst of our impossibilities. We love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, God bless you. God be with you. Boy, I hope and pray you've been blessed today. If you have been, just put it in the chat and let me know. Listen, if you are watching right now, Uh, First and foremost, let me just say for those of you who'd like to worship the Lord in giving, there are six ways that you can worship the Lord in giving. And for those of you who have not done that already, man, we would love for you to be a partner with us in the kingdom building work. Uh, We have full-time missionaries on the field that we are supporting, including uh, the Sloans who have landed and are in uh, Uganda now. They're getting settled in. We're excited about that. Uh, We're excited about those who are planting churches that we are supporting uh, locally, nationally, along with those that we are supporting internationally. Uh, we've just got some great things happening, some great things going on. And I want you to keep us in prayer and partner with us in the kingdom building work. Now, if you're looking for a church home and you'd like to unite with us, man, please, man, please, sir, go to our website or click on the link that says, I want to become part of the church. And if you need Jesus Christ in your life, you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life. You want to make a commitment of your life to Jesus Christ. You want to be saved. You want to become a Christian. We want to help you to do that. There's so much work that God is calling us to do. And man, in the midst of everything that's going on with the Omicron variant, um, schools and, and businesses are, are closing and opening and shutting down for several days. And people are testing positive and people are testing negative. And listen, it all is going on, man. It, it's just an opportunity for you to really focus on God, to remove the superfluous out of your life and to focus on God and make sure God is at the center of everything that you do and everything that you say. We're going to remain closed in terms of our in-person worship. We were going to expand coming into January to two Sundays a month uh, in-person worship. Right now, we're going to remain closed and we're going to watch what's happening with the variant. Uh, For those of you who have been vaccinated and gotten your booster shot, uh, even if you go through some symptoms, they should be relatively mild. Um, but for those of you who haven't, man, you're, you're taking matters into your own hand. And please don't listen to people who haven't gotten vaccinated tell you things like, see, even people who have gotten vaccinated have gotten it. Yeah, I got that. I tested positive for the Omicron variant. But but here's what I can tell you. Uh, man, my symptoms were like nothing compared to the horror stories That I've heard from family members who had not gotten vaccinated who got COVID 19 and some who had gotten vaccinated but maybe didn't get the booster shot. Man, they suffered and they said they wouldn't wish it on their worst enemy. So here's all I'm saying to you I'm getting vaccinated, I'm getting the booster shots. That's my commitment. Next booster comes up, I'll be right in line, first one in line to get my booster shot. I want to encourage you to get vaccinated get your booster, stay safe, stay careful, stay vigilant, and let's continue to fight this thing, all right? Until next time, man, God bless you in a special way. Remember, God is doing something wonderful in you, in me. Let's let God have his way. And don't forget, the question is not, is God speaking? The question is, are you listening? And will you obey what God is saying to experience the change you want to experience in life. All right. God bless
0: you.